I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello and welcome to Second Day Podcast, Tricks are for Kids. And I'm Zane T. Weber. It's mercy, compassion and forgiveness I lack, not rationality. I'm Shane Anderson. You didn't think it was going to be that easy, did you? I'm Andrew Shosler. Ah, Renishi. And today we are talking about Kill Bill Volume 1. Written and directed by Quentin Tarantino, starring Uma Thurman, uh, Lucy Liu as Orenishi, Vivisha A. Fox, Daryl Hannah, David Carradine, Michael Madsen, Julie Dreyfus, Chiaki Kuriyama, Shinichi Chiba, Chia Hui Lui, Michael Parks, Michael Brown, Jun Kunimura, and that's as far down as I am going. You just made up sounds on half of those. Alrighty, so you might have noticed that both Sebastian and Alex are not here because we killed them. Oh, sorry, I'm bringing Here's in bits. Hoping. Here's hoping. <laughs> I'm bringing in bits from my podcast. <laughs> no, 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 no. They're away, and so Zane gets to do whatever he wants, and so he wants to do Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> so we're doing my favorite film of all time, Kill Bill Volume One. Wow, just Volume One is your your. One, oh, it's it's very hard to pick. See, I consider them. them as like a single text. Yeah, they kind of have to be. Yeah. But the other voices that you've heard are other podcasts that are coming to fill in. So we have Shane Anderson. Hello. From the Mighty Motion Picture Rangers. And we have Andrew Schossler. This is me. From the show. A New World a, a, a New Order. World Order. <laughs> yeah. The show? Sorry, I had a, I had a brain fart there. That's <laughs> the sh- right. It's the show show. That's right. So we're going to do my favourite movie with my favourite people because Sebastian and Alex are trash. And they won't listen to this, so they won't hear it. They won't? Oh, they do, might. I, I was going to say, do they not like Kill Bill? Pardon? Do they not like Kill Bill? Uh, I don't think... Think Alex has ever seen it? I would be surprised. That actually, I that's be surprised completely, if he seen it. completely unsurprising. Yeah, I had, I had until recently only seen Kill Bill one. Oh really? Yeah, I'd, yeah, I'd, yeah. I'd, I'd never seen the ending. I yeah. see. I, I watched them the wrong way around because they had come out when I wasn't allowed to watch R eighteen. So I watched Kill Bill two first because uh-huh. that's M A, and then I yes. watched Kill Bill one after the fact. So I watched it in a very weird. Order. That's fine. You can do that with Tarantino films. And yeah, you it's, can. It's not. It makes it really <laughs> unusual. It makes. It really I mean, unusual. he uses enough flashbacks in these movies that yeah. it's just kind of like a, a mega flashback. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. Pretty one. much. Okay, so uh, I assume you might have done some research for this one. I totally oh. didn't just do research five minutes before we hit record. <laughs> well, what I like to say about this one is that. Umar and Quentin kind of came up with the, the the seed of the idea for this during Pulp Fiction. Yeah, uh-huh. when he said he wanted to make a kung fu action flick, and Umar suggested that the opening scene was her beaten up in a wedding dress. Yeah, um, <laughs> and and then and um, it, that's why it comes up at the end. It's based on the character of the bride created by Q and U, which is Quentin oh, yeah. and Umar. 
So yeah, and also watching Pulp Fiction, the the pilot, or was it a feature? Oh <gasps> yeah, in? Uh, the Fox Five or the yeah, yeah. sexy Fox it's Five, the, Divas, the the Deadly Viper Assassination Squad. Yeah, yeah. right. Uh, yeah, so it kind of all ties in that way in the mythology. So. That's my big one. I know I have I have lots and lots to say about this, but so I'll let yeah. you go first. Well, I was just going to say it's really interesting. You can actually find a video of Tarantino. Robert Rodriguez filmed him pitching the Kill Bill, like the very first uh, version of Kill Bill to him, and there's a video of Tarantino pitching it, and it's like slightly different, but it's really cool kind of seeing it when it's just on the page. Um, on that note of Quentin and Uma, I have an interesting production note here. Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> you know where it, I'm going with this. It's fair enough. Like, <laughs> it needs to be it said. It needs to be said. So, during one of the car driving scenes, actually, I feel like it was from Kill Bill 2, though, it actually. Was true. Yeah. Um, but she's driving it in kind of both at the end of Kill Bill 1 and all that kind of thing, isn't she? Well, uh, yeah, they were shot almost together. Yeah. So, in the driving scene, she had a giant accident, permanently injured her back and her knee, and because Tarantino was being a bit of a, an idiot and forcing her to do it. So what? Tarantino was, forcing his actors into compromising situations? Mm, yep, and he mm. choked her for real. <laughs> like, he's the one holding the chain, choking her for real on the other end oh, of the really? bit. When, yeah, yeah. He's really into... His, his justification for it is that when he sees people choking on film, it doesn't look like someone's actually choking because it's fake choking. Uh-huh. So yeah. he choked Uma for real with the chain when she's fighting Gogo. Uh, Gogo Yubari in the House of Blue Leaves, and he choked uh, Diane Kruger for real in Inglorious Bastards. Yes, that's his hands doing that, and he spat on Uma for real for when the nurse spits on her. He <laughs> apparently does it for quote unquote authenticity, but people theorize that. <laughs> I mean, it's- the, the, yeah, there is a line between film and authenticity. Like, you don't need no, like. It's called acting for a reason. And also, it, it, it's a bit weird that he has that and then has like wire work, like impossible wire work that isn't authentic mm. to mm-hmm. reality. Mm-hmm. Like, you just, it, 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 it rings wrong to me. I had my sort of opinion of Tarantino kind of tarnished after those revelations. It is, it is definitely. And, and I've, it, he kind of falls into the Woody Allen basket for me. Not quite that bad. <laughs> well, no, no, not quite that bad because his, we like- but it is, <laughs> it is more related to the work than Woody Allen's transgressions. That's this is and, true, and this that is true. makes it a bit more worrisome for me because I'm I'm I am in the in the park where I can separate the work from the person. How? And if the person is terrible, then their work can be a reflection of that terribleness. Like Roman Polanski is. Like watching his stuff, knowing what was going on, is now really disturbing. I also kind of um, find him a little overrated. I saw Rosemary's Baby for the first time, and I was like, "Eh." Like it was. There were I really good liked things. Rosemary's Baby when I first saw it, and that was before I knew that it was a Roman Polanski uh, right. um, thing. And that was probably before I even knew that it was like that Roman Polanski was a thing. Mm. Although I remember learning about, because we watched Roman Polanski's Macbeth in high school. Yeah, we had to watch that yeah. one too. And it was like, why are you showing that to high school kids and not having the discussion about Roman Polanski? <laughs> but anyway, yeah. anyway, yeah. So Quentin Tarantino, look. Is it fair to call him a filmmaker instead of an artist? Which is what he is. I mean, films films are art, but films are a very specific kind of art. Whereas when I watch Tarantino films, I never enjoy them. They're always pretentious. They're fetish films. Really? But I love them because it, it's like seeing a masterpiece. You don't 
go because you're going to enjoy looking at it. You go because you need to see it and appreciate all the work that's been put into it. I mean, Tarantino puts, you know, he's insanely meticulous about everything, everything that he does. You, you watch the, the opening credits and the font changes yeah. <laughs> yeah. during the, and you yeah. know that there's a reason behind it. It doesn't make sense. You, you, you know, you might not be able yeah. to, to find the reasoning for it, but you know that he's thought about it and in his mind it makes sense. And that becomes enjoyable then. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I like, I call it, see, but you're talking to the wrong person. Cause I just consider it. I don't, I'm not, I, I don't like the word artist as a thing. Cause no, no. like I make films and I'm like, I don't like being called an artist. That's, that's, that's exactly what I mean. That feels pretentious to me. Yeah. 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 And, and, Almost every other film isn't that, but Tarantino is. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think you can definitely call yeah. Tarantino's works texts more yeah. so than you can call Dumb and Dumber a text. Yeah. Yeah, yeah this is yeah. true. Um, where you can definitely see, like, it's very plain, like, outside influence, but also the the director and the creator's uh, ideas that he's putting into it for you to consume and interpret in your own way. And, the, so, and there's like a very clear presence of the filmmaker in the work as opposed to someone like absolutely. Ron Howard who doesn't really have a voice in that same way. And that's, I think that's why I like Quentin Tarantino films so much is because that is so clear and you can see all the work that's gone into every every frame of the movie yes. yeah. um, and every stage of the movie from writing right through to post, you, to post You just know that he was he was sitting there in the editing room and saying, right, this, you know, this shot needs to be this long and the music cues need yeah. to happen right here. Yeah. Yeah. And even in constructing the shot, these things need to be well, in these exact spots. An interesting on- thing on that, I learned this off, there's a program called The Director's Chair where Robert Rodriguez interviews filmmakers and Tarantino did like a big two-parter and it's the first time I'd heard Tarantino really actually talk about process and he does – Action scenes, it's called the Hong Kong way of shooting where because in normal sort of American or just traditional Western filmmaking, if you've got an action scene, you basically, you light it for all the cameras look and all the angles that are looking one way. They perform it, you get all your shots there, then you change your lighting setups and you flip it around, uh-huh. you shoot all that, and then you cut it together in the edit. But the Hong Kong way is you literally film it piece by piece. Like if the fight goes five moves, you film all those five moves and no matter where the lighting setup it has to change. It takes like infinitely longer to do. But he's got kind of the wherewithal to do that on budget. Now. But what's, what's, now, um, what's what's the reasoning behind that? It's it it. Uh, well, I think it speaks like I kind of when he said that <laughs> for that in an interview, I blew did, me away. Did Hong Kong filmmakers, you know, only have cameras that never had a rewind button and they could sequence? That might have been where it, well, like old cameras where you'd cut in your camera yeah. in in the camera. But I think it comes from them being focused on the fight choreography. Whereas in American uh-huh. films, the fight choreography isn't always a priority. Whereas in Hong Kong, it would be because the respect for the martial arts okay. is so big. I miss. I'm kind of just talking out of my eyes him and guessing but that seems quite plausible anyway so i'll go with it but um <laughs> but it i think it makes a better action scene like it definitively okay. makes a better action i mean that house of blue leaves sequence is yeah in my mind one of the great action set pieces in the history of cinema you it, you really can't be better than that and i guess we'll talk about it next week yeah the comparison between the fight scenes in part one and part two yeah is totally different yeah but still <laughs> Just as exciting as each yeah. other. Um, uh, just on production notes and more safety production notes, Quentin Tarantino got hit 
in the head with the meteor hammer that uh, Gogo oh, oh, flings yes. about. Oh. He was standing beside the camera and she accidentally hit him in the head with it. So, you know, so, he, got, he got it over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I got, so, it's, so she, uh, I got an interesting bit of trivia. So despite the fact that the bride gets the sword from Hattori Hanzo to kill Bill, she only ever kills Oren Ishii with it. Mm. That's like no one else dies by the sword. How about that? Yeah. But but it does open a lot of doors for her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Having that sword. Um, so. the, I was going to say the body count on this movie is also 95. And I don't think there's actually 88 <laughs> in the crazy no, 88. they're just called the 88. <laughs> yeah. I think there's 50-something of them. But uh, that scene um, took eight weeks to to film. Yeah. And I'm not surprised because of all the complex choreography going going on. And, and the way the cinematography. Shoot. Yeah. yeah, shooting it yeah. one move at a time. Oh. Yeah. So you're almost filming it in sequence of the fight is how it ends up working. That's incredible. Mm. Um, the the scene where the bride splits the baseball in half was actually done. What? By Zoe Bell. So oh, Zoe Bell yes. has appeared in Tarantino movies as like a, a character uh-huh. in Hateful Eight and Death Proof. Yeah. She's the New Zealand stunt actress. Okay. Uh, yeah. So. And she's she was Uma's body double in um yeah. in Kill Bill. Yeah, so she actually did that on set. Wow. Yeah. So it's amazing. I spent a lot of time trying to find where it was the stunt person and where it was Uma. And I think only on the very, very recent I rewatched that sequence before I went and shot my feature film because I have like a everyone gets killed moment in my movie and um, <laughs> I wanted to kind of reference this thing. I didn't end up really taking anything from it at all, but I it was only on that review when I was just really closely analysing shot for shot how it was done. I was like, oh, there's Zoe and there's Uma. Yeah. And it's it's like the umpteenth time that I'd seen the movie. So, yeah, that's kind of it's a, it's a testament to that kind of work and the choreo that she vanishes almost. Yeah. And well, she's very talented. Yeah. I mean... My problem with her inclusion in the later films is that having someone with an unabashed New Zealand accent in the middle of colonial <laughs> America, it, it causes problems. Yeah, yeah. Um, but again, you, suspension of disbelief because you also have Samuel L. Jackson being Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah. Um, so Who makes a cameo in the... Um, yeah. The in, second one. Oh, that's right. That's, that's right. Yeah. Yes. You don't actually see him in the first oh, one. Oh, he's the piano player. He's the, yeah, yeah, the yeah, colored yeah. piano man, Rufus. Oh, I've spoiled it now for everybody. <laughs> you just used a word that we haven't heard in a while. <laughs> that's how he's referred to. Oh, okay, yeah. right. No. The old colored man who plays the piano. Okay. I just thought you were just saying it. I'm like, wow, Zane, we need to have a I conversation. Don't, I don't call people of color colored people. <laughs> <laughs> Unless they're pink. Uh, so... Uh, and another thing is the inclusion of Lucy Liu, the casting of Lucy Liu. Yes. Um, originally, Orenishi was thought going to be just Japanese, but Tarantino saw her in Shanghai Noon. Which is a weird place to have found him because Shang- but he loves like he loves Jackie Chan movies yeah. like to pieces. And so even when Jackie Chan kind of does his thing, he's yeah. there for it. Yes. Well, I, 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 I was just going to say it's it's such a you know such an irreverent movie, Shanghai Noon. It yeah, doesn't yeah. really have any. It doesn't seem like high art, but the only thing that is really fantastic about it are the are the fight scenes with with Jackie Chan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that's why he changed her nationality and made that part of half Chinese, thing. half American, oh. Chinese, Japanese, American. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's so. such a. Oh, I love. I love that. 
that dinner table seat. <laughs> the, the, monologue. She, the monologue. Yeah, it's the, um, uh, I, I, I collect your fucking head <laughs> just like this fucker. I had that as my text tone for one bit. Um, the whole, if any of your sons are bitches, got anything else to say? I kind of got in trouble because it would go off in public space. And that's also one of the things I love about this movie in particular is how he switches between uh, or he makes it important when they switch between what language they're talking, yeah. whether it's French, Japanese, Chinese, or English. Yeah. I think they're the only ones in this film. Um, but, yeah, so, again, it's just another the attention to detail that, yeah. mm-hmm. that he kind of puts into his characters and stories. And even that, so with that, something like that anime sequence, I mean, that's such a bold choice to do in the middle of what is otherwise sort of this weird. I Like, every time I see it, I'm like, it, I, it's such a weird movie if you think about it. As a story, as like in the pantheon of just like regular movies, especially at the time in the early 2000s, you're like, this, how did like this movie exist? Because it's almost bizarre. That's yeah. what, that's why I say that Tarantino doesn't make movies. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's, that's not what he produces. It's, yeah, it's, it's totally out of the zeitgeist. It's just a hark back to these almost forgotten genres of the time like yeah. no one was making yeah. these films and then it just kind of pops in and like honestly i didn't i knew nothing about it when i went to see it in the cinema and i just like was like all right good that's interesting yeah. this is i'm gonna see this again right now <laughs> i really wish i'd been able to see it in cinemas but i was what like it came out 2003 so i was you were a baby like 12 yeah. but i did get to see it they played it on 35 mil at uh goma a while back and I saw that and that was like, they played it as a double with Carrie, like the original Brian De Palma Carrie. Oh, so it was a weird, right, yeah. it was a weird pairing, but it kind of fit and you could actually going from one to the other, you saw some of the things like the split screen yeah. stuff and the steady cam things that he was stealing from De Palma. And it was really cool. But that seeing on 35 is pretty breathtaking. Mm. So, um, Quentin Tarantino had Uma watch three films in preparation for this. Yes. Do you know what three they are? I'd be no very idea. surprised if Andy seen any of them. I read them and I they were not familiar to me at, <laughs> Even at all. the Pam Greer one? Yeah. Uh, coffee? Coffee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. A coffee was a coffee from 1973, uh, The Killer by John Woo. That's a, an 89 movie. And uh, Sergio Leone's uh, Fistful of Dollars. Yeah. yeah. Fistful That's, of Dollars? Not yeah. Once Upon a Time? No, Fistful of Dollars. Fistful of Dollars is the only one that I... What that was familiar no. that I'd heard of, oh, and I'm- only because in the Kentucky Fried movie, <laughs> there's the sequence uh, of fistful of, um, oh, what is it? Fistful of. I can't remember. What, no, 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 no. It's, it's nothing to do with chicken, but it's 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 a wonderful sequence, complete satire and. Taking because uh, uh, Tarantino's favorite movie of all time is The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, yeah, and that's been pretty, like everything else has kind of changed up, but he's pretty adamant that that's his favorite movie of all time so it's interesting that he made her watch fistful of dollars though but he always envisioned he said he always envisioned kill bill as his dollars a fistful of yen i think it is a fistful of what oh, a, fi- that, yes. a, f- yeah. a fistful of yen oh yen yeah. okay um but yeah he always envisioned kill bill as his dollars trilogy so he's, there's always been right. talk about doing a third kill bill and it's the one that follows um uh vanita green's daughter who she killed in front of but- and then coming back and i'm like i don't because it's such a finish she gets her revenge that's it. Revenge yeah. of the Jedi. Vader's dead. It's done. 
Yeah. What what other story can you can you tell? Oh, after but that's that? the thing. It's the revenge of. The, so you know how he, she kills Vivica A. Fox with, yes. with cereal box and the, in front of the daughter, and it's about the daughter getting her revenge uh, on the bride. Maybe as a spinoff, but not as a kill. <laughs> yeah, Bill yeah, film. yeah, no, yeah. That's yeah. the that's the thing because she kills Bill. It's yeah. in the title. You know, you can't. I mean, all of all of uh, Quentin Tarantino's characters all kind of exist in the same universe anyway, don't they? Mm. Particularly that sheriff. I don't think, see, he's, so his whole canon, he explained it as he has the world. So like Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction are definitively actually in the same world. Yes. uh, Characters cross over. But he said Kill Bill is like, in the world of Pulp Fiction, Kill Bill is the kind of movies that those characters would go and watch. It's the movies, these fictional movies that exist in that universe. Um, and but someone's done like this whole theory about how the entire yeah, Tarantino verse is connected all the way back, including to... Dusk Till Dawn. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's <laughs> like that wild. Just adds vampires into the whole thing. <laughs> it's never come up again. Um, so there were some interesting names raised to play Bill. Do you know any of them, Shane? I don't actually. Kevin Costner was um, one of the one of the ones considered. Uh, well, four people actually passed on it before they rested on really? David Carradine. Jack Nicholson. Which is weird because David yeah. Carradine would have been my go-to because of his history in this kind yeah. of style yeah. of film. But, you know, yeah, Jack Nicholson. Jack Nicholson, Kevin Costner. Um, uh, Kevin Costner was considered. He didn't considered actually didn't pass get it. on it. Yeah. Uh, so Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell. Uh, Burt Reynolds. Kind of see. I can see Burt Reynolds and Kurt Russell actually. I can kind of see them because it's the gravelly. I can't see them (laughs) nailing the end scene in two. Mickey Rourke. No, I I didn't know that. No. (laughs) That that would have been a very different. Very different vibe. Wow. I reckon Kurt Russell would have made a fantastic. I think Kurt Russell. Film. Definitely yeah, that would have been. Fun. It would have been a different tone, but he would have been a yeah. lot of fun. And I, mean, I would have seen because what we got was so not Jack Nicholson. <laughs> yeah, that <laughs> was like it'd be one. It would be interesting to see who won out, Quentin Tarantino or Jack Nicholson mm. on on that. But I guess we'll, we'll never see that. Is that why he's what? never worked with Jack Nicholson? Because <laughs> Jack Nicholson's just too improvisatory. No, I think it's because Jack Nicholson doesn't. Yeah doesn't do anything else anymore. He doesn't take direction anymore. It's notorious for it. Yeah. 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 Warren Beatty was cast as Bill and Quentin Tarantino had some reservations about it when he found out where somebody overheard a conversation where Warren Beatty said, I don't actually understand what's, what's, what the film's about. What's, what's Mm. going on. He's really right. See you later. (laughs) Tarantino is very actually, um, he's hard on keeping actors on like every word has to be exact. And, He, he gives them like a pile of things to watch and he'll explain everything in insanely terms of meticulous yeah, detail. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so, along the lines of uh, Lucy Liu, uh, Chucky Kuriyama, who played Gogo, he cast after he saw her in Battle Royale. Yeah. Ah. yeah. So. Which is an interesting movie. I don't get the love for it, but. I don't get the love for it. It is an interesting movie. Mm. Um, and I think it's a movie that couldn't exist in Western. Movie yeah. making, yeah, it is very much kind of. It's it's interesting to see kind of a pulp movie from Japan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's actually interesting with Kill Bill. The 
my in Battle Royale, there was one actress that stood out, and I'm like, she's freaking amazing. I'd love to see her and stuff. I don't know why he got Gogo in and not this other girl, mm. but he actually got the other girl, played Gogo's sister. There was a whole plot that was excised from the movie, <laughs> and it's so seamlessly excised from the movie because she was this other character was in all those Gogo scenes. She and Gogo fought the bride and all that kind of stuff, and you're just like, how the fuck did they <laughs> rip her out of the movie like that? And I have one more, one more casting <laughs> oh, note. Yes. Uh, Jun Kunimura who played Boss Tanaka, he was cast, <laughs> Quentin Tarantino said, you please, uh, after seeing him in Ichi the Killer. Oh, yeah. yeah. How about that? So, you know, well, Quentin Tarantino is just like, <laughs> watch his movies and said, I'll take you. Well, as well you, as, but Boss Tanaka is drawn, not yeah. performed in that way. Yeah. But it was his Isn't, isn't was Tanaka his the guy who is beheaded in the... No, he's he, beheaded for raising. Tanaka, the- isn't he that Boss Tanaka was a pedophile? Yeah, so Boss, oh, Boss Tanaka that, okay, is the, okay. the first the, the guy who kills Lucy Liu's parents. Yeah. Yeah. I get lost in the names very easily. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and there's the a lot of them. The 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 band, the five, six, seven, eights in yeah. the Do you know how he the found them? <laughs> he he was watching them. He was it was in in in, in Japan. He oh, so saw he was, them and um. So what it was was he was he was stuck trying to figure out in pre production trying to figure out a song for that, and he was in an airport. Ah. He was in a clothing shop at an airport. And heard that playing, and he was like, "It's Japanese, oh, but it's surf learn. music." He probably okay. did that later, but he heard that thing, and he actually like bought the CD from the clothes shop, took it home, and then f- tracked down the band and got them. Wow. To yeah, that was an interesting. And and I think that more than anything else, just proves how much of a nerd <laughs> Quentin Tarantino <laughs> he is. He is because he, well, he was known at the time for surf music, and I guess he wanted that, like, or like, or reappropriating surf music for yeah. non-surf things. <laughs> and it, he just was like, "This is the perfect. It's Japanese all women band doing surfing music in this weird mix." Um, so as they're flying into Tokyo, those miniatures leftovers yeah. from Godzilla. How about that? Yeah. Oh, cool. <laughs> oh, fun fact: all all men who die in the movie are killed by a woman. It's actually like weird as it should be. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Kill all the men. Kill them all. <laughs> they suck. They've ruled for long enough. Oh, come <laughs> on. Come on. <laughs> I'm a bit jaded at the moment. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, shall we move on to movie babies and actually uh, get this review started? Okay. Yes. yes. We should. <laughs> so, do we draw from the pile of films that. Tarantino is homaging to begin with. <laughs> Literally, it's about twenty-seven films. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I've got, I've got. It's Enter the Dragon, as done by Takashimika. All right, all right. So those are your babies. Yeah, Enter the Dragon is pretty, pretty right up there. I've got uh, Enter Your Dragon and Spit on Your Grave. Uh, yes. Uh, yeah. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is a rape revenge. Yeah. film. Well, well she I'm... she wasn't really raped though in Kill Bill, was she? Yeah, absolutely. Wait, what? By who? In the original. Oh. In Kill Bill. No, 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 oh, no, no. No, okay. Yeah, no, 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 I know I spit on your grave is a rape revenge, but then you're like, and I'm like, wait, is Kill Bill a rape revenge as well? No, and, no, <laughs> Kill Bill isn't, but uh, I spit on your grave just because it is kind of that one woman single-minded revenge story. Yeah, yeah. I kind of went differently from this. It, movie Babies, it's uh, Count of Monte Cristo. And Robocop together. <laughs> no, I can see oh, that. Yeah. that works. Both, both, both men are not killed, but they have their lives entirely stripped away, mm. Mm. right? And they uh, Robocop goes on, goes on, not a revenge spree, but he does try and bring everybody to justice, ends up killing them all anyway. Well, that's what you have to do. Yeah. And Count of Monte Cristo, he improves himself. He, 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 he goes off. He learns sword fighting. He learns... 
you know, languages and, and, and art and culture and everything to blend into this society in order to exact revenge on the yeah. guy that did it to yeah. him. Yeah. Well, I can see that. Absolutely. Between officers? Uh, I got revenge, blood, revenge, blood, 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 <laughs> blood, blood, <laughs> hashtag pussy wagon. <laughs> Not my most creative effort. There wasn't <laughs> a lot of revenge in this movie. There was two bits of revenge. Oh, well, there was I like the plotting of the revenge. Well. It's weird because yeah. only only two of them die on the list of five. Yeah, is it five or six? Five, because there's Bard, Bill, and and Daryl. Yeah, Hannah. so there's five of them, and then Bill. Yeah, so yeah. five, including the bride. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I'd, I'd, I'd short flights between sword fights. Hashtag. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. Um, Who knew that Bill doesn't die in a movie right, called right. Kill Bill? <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag spoilers. <laughs> oh, God. I love how on the plane there she's got a sword on the plane. And I'm just like, yeah. <laughs> yep. That just. <laughs> well, when is this? <laughs> 19 never. <laughs> I'm sure in the, like the 1940s you could carry a sword on a plane. Easy. I yeah, no problem. feel like that might have just pushed the limits, maybe just a bit. No, absolutely, when you could still Wait, like, smoke 40s? and beat women on planes. They- <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, Wait, no, 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 because the 1940s commercial flights weren't that big, were they? No, that's what I mean. So if you could pay a bar- if you bought a ticket, you could do whatever the hell you wanted. Oh, yeah. right, okay, yeah, oh, yeah, fair enough. Kind of like a boat. Yeah. Anything happens in international waters. <laughs> All right. Right. Well, cool. shall we get into the, the good, good or the bad? Or the ugly. <laughs> no, um, there's no ugly in this film. No, there isn't. We have to, a, start, we have to start with the bad. Actually, the no, bad? there is ugly no. in this film. That anime sequence is quite grotesque. Even like, But, like, intentionally. It's not yeah, like yeah, ugly absolutely. badly. Ugly. Yeah, and even yeah, Lucy yeah. Liu is, like... Pretty grotesque in that yeah, yeah. sequence. Yeah. I'm like, well done making Lucy Lou ugly. <laughs> well, you know, she bloomed in her teens, clearly. <laughs> uh, so let's start on the bad, I okay. guess. Uh, I don't have a lot because I don't, every time I watch this one, I don't actively hate anything in it except for the decision to blurt Beatrix's name. In the flashback, what is I, he? Do you know what he's going I back there? Just could not get it. Other than it's meant to, it was there and it existed. It didn't exist when it was all one movie, and it's mm. been added there to flavor the fact that it's two chapters. See, I've always imagined that that choice. Again, it is. It's a weird choice because it's not an obvious reference to me. Yep. But I think it's to create this idea that you don't know her name, she is only the bride. Yeah. And then you only learn her name when her story is about to end. But then why not when change you... the script so that her name is never mentioned at all? That's kind of... Yeah. It's, yeah. yeah, that always just, like, that moment always just grabs me as odd, but not in the intriguing way, it's just the befuddling way. Yeah. And so in that way, it, it doesn't feel like it belongs in the rest of Because something like, you know, when he crashes in on their face and it's this siren and red and the flashes, it's such an out-there choice, but it works. Yeah. Whereas that bleep just is always like, ah, I don't, <laughs> it just doesn't hit me the way no. that everything else does in the mm. film. And That's the, the only thing that really kind of grabs me. Is- and the, and the, the comedian in me is is uh, spitting chips that he didn't, you know, take the opportunity to tie it into a phone buzzing or something to, <laughs> well, yeah, to like, just excuse I it. I don't think that it would it's, be... It's very obviously a buzzer yeah. specifically to blurt out her name. I don't name. think that would be yeah. beyond or outside of Tarantino's kind of reach to, like, put it in, like, a film glitch like he did in... Oh, um, oh yeah. Oh, See, that would have worked too. Planet Terror? 
Uh, yeah, no, no. Uh, he the grindhouse. Uh, sorry, uh, death proof is his. He yes, has the missing but, reel. Yeah, he has so the missing reel. Of, you see, yeah, the missing reel in the middle of Planet Terror. Yeah. Oh, he has one in in Grindhouse. In in sorry, in doesn't he? No. Oh no, it is no, Planet Death Terror. Proof just it just switches to next story. Like we have one act, which is a whole. No, but story. during during the the lap dance sequence in Death oh, Proof. Oh yes, that yeah, yeah. that bit where it just because I mean, and his justification for that was that would be the part of the movie that the Grindhouse played over and over again <laughs> yeah. for everyone's sort of pleasure. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. So I. I but it happens for the first time in uh when he's with uh, when she's with fox yeah vivisha fox yeah. and she's talking to her daughter and i'm like everything there is so pristine yeah. that i guess there isn't really a there isn't like a visual cue to allow that kind of no she, well yeah that that's true but yeah. but it could have been like a like a phone buzzing or somebody at the doorbell yeah, or, yeah. you know something like it could have could have easily done that it's, or a dog bark or, 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 the, or, the, dog, or it, something the, um, yeah the good wife always does those tricks when they wanted swearing. The TV yeah. show, it's an excellent TV show, and they always have because they were network. They were just basically restricted, so they cover their swearing really well with sounds and stuff. Right. And someone would have the window open, there'd be construction going on, and then they close <laughs> it after they said the word and all that kind of stuff. It was really clever, but yeah, yeah. I mean that that is the one the one thing that I just can't make sense of in my head. Yeah, because it's not it's it's not called back enough to make it like a thing like a piece of the text it's it also feels not, like a censored part of the text. yeah and no. it's also not even the the actual sound of the bleep doesn't sound like it's the kilohertz tone that's actually used for bleeping mm. either it's a different it's tone. much lower yeah. it's lower and yeah. so it doesn't it's not like oh he's referencing cinema in that way it's just its own tone created for that one single moment that's Tarantino. It doesn't yeah. make sense, yeah. and you're talking about it, and, yeah. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you love that it's there. Yeah, well, that's the thing. most other things in this movie make sense. Like yeah. that's, I mean, it's interesting when it was a single text. The cliffhanger ending doesn't exist. Yeah, the the does she know her baby is still alive? That's not yeah. in there, and so it's interesting because I really like that scene. I really like that when I first saw it. I was like, oh, that's cool. But I knew that I knew all of that because I'd seen two first. Yeah. Um, but it's interesting to think of the movie as I really want to track it down. They've only played it a couple of times. They have, it's called Kill Bill, the whole bloody affair. Mm. And it's the entire thing. The crazy 88 scene is in color. Oh, okay. and, um, the, but even something like that, that when he switches to black and white and it works because of the way he segues into it. And then he segues out of it with a close up on her eyes and she blinks and it blinks yeah. it back into color. And that's like a censored moment. He did that to, keep his rating within yeah, the, the yeah. realms. But, he, but also that is in itself an homage to TV Yeah, yeah. back in the day. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but are there any things that you, I'd be interested to hear if there's anything you don't like in the movie, Zane? No, there aren't. <laughs> Honestly, like I, 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 I don't watch this film a lot because I'm worried that I will overwatch it and get bored by it. Um, so since I last watched Kill Bill, I've watched all of Tarantino's, maybe some of them maybe more than once because I do like his stuff. But having watched that again for this review, it's like I understand why I like this movie so much because everything seems to be there in a pl- be there in its place for a reason, tying yeah. to everything else in such an intricate and and just pristine way. Yeah, I there there isn't. Even that bleep, like I can forgive that bleep because it it's about not giving away her name until 
part two. Yeah. And uh, but it's written on the plane ticket. If you're It is written on the plane uh, ticket. And to. and if you can read lips, <laughs> uh, it's quite obvious yeah. what they're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, having watched it more than once, you can you watch their faces and yes, yeah, it's very clear that they're saying yeah. Beatrix. Yeah. Uh Beatrix. <clears throat> so no, there isn't anything I like I dislike about this movie, and that's why it's my favorite movie of all time, even above all the other Tarantino films. That's incredible. This one I think is the most the most perfect. I think um, it's the most Tar- it's the most unfiltered of like it's the most his personality has ever been on screen, but I always prefer like Inglorious Bastards just cuz Inglorious Bastards to me feels it's a marriage of that what because you know you got that sequence where it's like Hugo Stieglitz and the big titles come up and it's really kind of out there but it it still feels just a little bit more like refined. Whereas this is, it's Kill Bill is very gregarious, intentionally so. And I but- and I think like in Inglorious Bastards, those kind of choices they don't kind of tie into the movie as a whole. They're like this is the style of movie. This is kind of it's kind of visual exposition. Whereas mm-hmm. in Kill Bill, it is visual exposition, but it's the whole movie is visual exposition. Yeah, yeah. The the colour scheme, the music cues, everything mm-hmm. ties together so perfectly that it is just one text. And, yes, it homages. I, the number is something like 50 different films mm. and, and, uh, and like, I guess six discernible genres. Like it, it, <laughs> yeah, if you go yeah, into yeah. little small genres like Western Samurai spaghetti movies or whatever. And- like then there's more than that, but they all tie together so intricately and so and so perfectly. It's pure clockwork. Yeah, and there isn't a movie out there that is as exciting and as intricate as this film mm. for me. And I'm not an action. Mm. I'm not an action film fan. I'm not mm. a revenge film fan. Um, but this movie is just it uses. Everything at its disposal to just push you in one direction, and yeah, like that's as soon as I saw it, this was my favorite movie, and that was many years ago, wow. decades ago. <laughs> Has anything ever come close? Like if you if you if like excluding other Tarantino stuff, I guess. Pan's Labyrinth is pretty okay. close, yeah, pretty close. Um, <laughs> but even Pan's Labyrinth, because of because he's not given as much control, Guillermo del Toro doesn't have as much control over or his budget. films and, or budget as Tarantino. I feel like he has to make concessions that yeah. detract from his style and story. Yeah, the budget for this wasn't that high. It was wasn't it was the combined because they shot it all in one yeah. in one go, and I believe like individually it's something like. 40 or 50 mm. for number one and about the same for number two. So it's about an 80 to a hundred million dollar movie. And if you yeah. think of it as like a four hour, that kind of fits because yeah, you have the house of blue leaves and you have like these sort of small fights, but a lot of it is people talking. Yeah. Mm. He gets away with it. Um, Actually, it's a funny, it's a Guillermo del Toro sort of um, theorized that he says, when you're doing a movie, you can actually get away with making it look more expensive than it is. Cause you do what he calls gestures and you do one up, you do two up front, quite close together. So for example, he does in Kill Bill, it's the versus Vanita Green. Yeah. And then the um ah I can't remember. There's like another bit he does that and then you do one towards the end and then it just feels more expensive than okay. it is. Yeah. 
Um, well, that's the thing. You remember what you your first impression, then you remember your last impression. Yeah, and then you just kind of fill in the middle of the <laughs> yeah. movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, it, there was oh, there was something really interesting um, about. I've lost it now. I can't even think. Uh, it was something to do with this. Oh, the it's it, you're talking about how like it all it's pushed in one. It's the only movie that can get away with. A scene like the twisted nerve sequence, so that's the bit where uh, Daryl Hannah walks in in the nurse's outfit and she's whistling that yep. tune that's a, like directly lifted from a movie called Twisted Nerve and they do the split screen sequence as she's getting the thing ready and then it can have like a really grounded looking scene and then it can have, you know, in the House of Blue Leaves where you've got those like and those weird sounds that are not realistic in the least but they're sampled from like actual kung fu stuff it's the only movie where all of those things you don't question the existence of any of those things in Mm. the same movie so that's that's a balancing act that yeah it it pulls off with so in in terms of like perfection in movies like single-minded perfection pan's labyrinth probably comes the closest and then Probably as far away from Kill Bill as you can get in every way, Strictly Ballroom by Baz Luhrmann, <laughs> I think, is also single minded in its romantic comedy sort of push. Okay. Um, and all the, all the characters kind of only serve that one story. Um, and every single uh, part kind of builds along that narrative. So okay, that's interesting. But they do kind of sit in the same. They the, like all three of those movies have very clear authorial voices. Yes, and very heightened um, intertextuality as yeah, well. Yeah. So oh, definitely, definitely. And I, I think that's just what appeals to me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And also, magical realism is one of my favorite things. So magical realism. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. So I don't have any bad to talk about about Kill Bill. <laughs> what about you? Do you have any? Only, only bad in the sense that I never enjoy Tarantino films. They, they. The, Do you come off feeling like, uh, about- oh no, no, no. I, I, I love them. It's like, it's like going to see, uh, not the Mona Lisa because it's a little bit rubbish, but you know, <laughs> other, other fantastic yeah. paintings and 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 sculptures and things. You're going to, to see them, to appreciate them, and and be a part of the atmosphere, not. To actually see yeah, a sculpture, yeah. it's it, it's it's about much more than than mm. than anything that it actually can be, you know. It's it's not about this DVD. The sum is greater <laughs> than the parts. Yeah. I guess yeah. I, okay, I guess yeah, is what yeah. I'm trying to say. And yeah, I I never enjoy them in the same way that I would you know say I enjoy or don't enjoy other films. It's not about that entirely. It's something completely different from. Other movies. Oh, okay. I don't feel like that at all, but that's right. that's interesting. So, so, oh, yeah. So, so in that sense, the the bad is that it's not a. I can't enjoy it like a regular movie because yeah. it's that's not what it is. Okay. Yeah, because it's definitely not your kind of genre of choice. I certainly don't care very much for um for samurai films and westerns and things. Although some of my favorite. Movies, oh, Ro- Ro- Robocop, Starship Troopers. Yeah, those kind of reference of, them. Our, our they second are, generation. They are very much sci-fi westerns, and that's yeah. that's that's, yeah. that's what they are. Okay, that's interesting. Mm. That's interesting because I love I love action movies. I think because to me, and Tarantino said it as well. It, I think outside of a musical, I think action scenes are the most cinematic you can get because it is not about it. it, it you can't have an action scene 
in a stage play. You can have like, or you can, but it doesn't ever work in the same context that a, a cinematic one yeah. would. It's a well, this, of- the, it's really like this is something that you will never see in real life. Yeah, because even if you're in the middle of a shootout. <laughs> you're not going to be able to see it from all the different ways that you're going yeah. to see it. And it's a fusion of literally everything. It's the music, it's the performance, it's the choreo, it's yep. the camera, it's the cut, it's you know the cut, it's all of those things in one whereas you know a scene with two people talking is maybe more a little bit about more about the talking or or you know a performance heavy kind of scene but action scenes and the musicals are the same it's the performance, it's the music, it's the editing, it's the style, it's all those things. Those two are weirdly Closer than most people would ever kind of think. And Tarantino said that himself. So let's yeah. talk about the good because I want to touch on Tarantino's action scenes because the big stuff is not the stuff that I like in his action scenes. Like okay. the Crazy 88 when she leans over backward and just like swipes around her head and like <laughs> she cuts all these men's bits off. <laughs> That's not the bit that I like. The bit that I like is when is the punctuation in like the, fight. the silhouette. Like, yeah, when it just goes silhouette and you just see these guys coming at her or like when Arenishi is just kind of sending one after another after another, like that's a really interesting way to approach it. Rather, because if Michael Bay did this, it would just be all four of them coming in. (laughs) Yeah. Then some explosions rip the side of the building off and there's 88 other guys coming in and she's going to fight. Yeah. I think his timing and punctuation of what could just be a big cinematic fight fest really adds into the tone of the film. Um, And in this film, it is about warriors kind of respecting each other, but also not, not, uh, not giving in, to, yeah. <laughs> giving in to, uh, all right, well, I guess you deserve a one-on-one. It's like, no, I have these resources. I'm going to, I'm going to, it's not going to be yeah. easy. Like you and said. And that's the code. That's, that's, yeah. that's the honor yeah. code that everybody subscribes to. Yeah. You know, Aranisha she is, she's a, she's a warlord, uh, essentially. Yeah. And, yeah. and she's got all these, all these people uh, under her. They would also volunteer to give their lives up yeah. for her. That's that's the deal that they've made. And yeah. you get at that moment with each of them, each each of the five, the so including Bill in that. Yeah. Um, and the opening scene with... Uh, Vivica A. Fox. Yes. <laughs> What's her Vanita name? Green. Vanita Green with Vanita Green is just kind of like, what am I watching? What am I watching? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh. Because of course, like that's the opening, and it's just like I don't understand. And then when you, she goes into the kitchen, and we're looking, like, yeah, it's like, oh, this is. I'm going to need to pay more attention. I have yeah. paying I mean, that, attention. that fight, that opening fight, always. Every time I see it again, I forget just how good. Like, because you know, the House of Blue Leaves is obviously yeah. the, the the pillar of even Kill Bill One and Two together. Yeah. But that opening fight is so strong it's such a strong declaration of here and it was interesting for tarantino i guess if you were into his sort of stuff and you'd seen his sort of action scenes you'd seen pulp fiction you'd seen um jackie brown for to start a tarantino movie and then you get this just punch up this really brutal punch up in a suburban house it's such a different you kind of sit forward and you're like oh i haven't seen this tarantino (laughs) and also (laughs) something tarantino doesn't do much is Mm. leave you guessing 
usually he'll he'll set something up for you and like okay this is what's got happening now yeah but this one he's just like throws you right in and that's something that happens throughout both films is that every scene answers another question that you've had yeah um about what's happened previously and that's what i love about these two movies is that Every scene changes everything that's happened before and everything that happens afterwards. Yeah, and it really benefits from the nonlinear structure as opposed to... I've well, seen... usually I hate flashbacks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, and I, like, I even just love that it's chapter one, two. Yeah. Like, like, that, just that, like that kind of pun just in and of itself to me is a really clever thing. And it makes you sit and think, you're like, two what? Two, two? Mm-hmm. Like, I just... Mm-hmm. It it's I love it. I love it. And very few there's so many Tarantino imitators and they all seem to completely miss what he does. Mm. And they grab onto the things of, oh, it's the swearing and the violence. I'm like, that's not Tarantino. That is the least Tarantino thing that he does. Well <laughs> He doesn't no no no. <laughs> yeah, no. He's known for it, but yeah. that's not what makes a Tarantino that's, that's movie. That's the a Tarantino garnish movie. that he puts yeah. on all this pile of work that he's yeah. done in, yeah. in, in in on a text, yeah. Why does Beatrix win? Why does she win every single fight that she's that she's involved in? Because she's the best. She's always been the best. She's Bill's favorite, which makes her the best. Okay. Yeah. So, and that's kind of we'll get to that in part two. It's not because she's on and a she, righteous quest. Uh she's not on a righteous quest though. Yeah. Because that's that whole scene with um uh, with Hattori Hanzo, and he's like, you know, you can cut down. You, I'm giving you a sword that can kill God. Yeah. Like it's not a righteous quest, yeah. and he and he's like, it talks about revenge. You know, the opening title, Revenge is a Dish, yeah. Best Served Cold. Yeah. Like and that's the thing. Like she's she makes him fall from grace, give up his vow so that she can kill Bill. Um. So I don't think it's a righteous. Well, quest. No, he volunteers because Bill used to be his student. And has done great evil. Yes, yeah. exactly right. So he's actually writing the world by by undoing his oath for this specific yeah. purpose. Yeah. It's not like he's going back into business. He's no, just no, 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 breaking no. it for this one purpose. But revenge isn't seen as a righteous quest in the world of this thing. Revenge is a messy, dirty thing that... It's honourable, though. That's that's the point I think Tarantino has, is that it's all about honour. I think that's why Fox misses uh, Beatrix uh, with, with the gun. Because yeah. she was going behind her back. It wasn't an open fight. Yeah. She was hiding the gun. And yeah. so she misses because that was a dishonorable and thing. And she to does do. and she's and that's actually interesting. She goes, We will we'll do it like we'll do it old school. We'll go to the park midnight yeah. when we'll have yeah. ourselves a knife fight. And then she doesn't do that. And so that kind of betrayal of that. And also that that is that's touched on in the next film again because uh the bride does a very similar thing to Pai Mei. In their first fight, she picks up a stone to when she's meant to yeah. be fighting yeah. him, Tiger Crane style or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, uh, I think it's it's the ethos of the films that he's referencing that um, that honor is part of this code. But at no point does any of these people not fear the bride. That's yes. why she goes to try yes. and kill Daryl Hannah. Tries to go and kill her in her sleep. Yeah, yeah. Um, even Bill's afraid of her. And and right at the end of part two, which we'll we'll talk about, that's why Bill has his little monologue and asks the question like, "Were they were they worth it?" And she was like, "Yeah, oh, yeah. Were, it was yeah. hard." <laughs> so, yeah, <clears throat> but she is the best, and that's why 
That's why she that's why she defeats Bill in the way that she does, because that she's the only person that Pai May ever taught that technique. And actually they they touch on it too at the end of number one with um uh Bud sort of says she'll get her revenge. Yeah. I mean, I'm pretty sure that was engineered, not oh, intended. She deserves her revenge. She deserves her revenge. And we deserve to die. Mm. And then in the second it opens up and it's like, but then again, so does she. So Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um and that's the thing. So when she fights each of them, there is a moment like, well, we'll talk about it next yes, week. Yes, yes. We'll talk about <laughs> yes. it next the week. Good, the good on this one, I love the flourishes. I love the visual flourishes in this. Even like something like tracking the, you know, when he, throw, he throws the hammer, gets thrown at her, and then she catches mm-hmm. it and throws back and hits him in the head and he scoots back. He moves, like, that's such a, like, those kind of moments grab me because it's not what you expect. It's never what you expect, and yet it works in the world of the film, in the in the visual yes. language that he's creating, and I just love it. So, like I, I, I would give up an entire film career just for that <laughs> sequence. If I could do a sequence that good, I would. But isn't that what earns your film career, Shane? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Look, uh, for me, you- for me, it's the music, the sound cues, the music cues that he ties into even scenes that aren't action scenes. Yeah. Um. Like <laughs> that soundtrack is so just, I had, I bought it one and I was just listening to it for like nearly a year. It was the one thing going in my car on repeat. Cause it's just such a good friggin' soundtrack. Mm-hmm. But the soundtrack itself, I found, cause before I got into musical theater, I would, I would buy m- film soundtracks. Um, the soundtrack itself is a very different experience to watching the movie with the soundtrack. Because each of the each of the sound cues ties in so well with the scene and yeah. and and gives you more information. And it's fascinating that so many of the sound cues are lifted from other texts. So like the the uh, flight of the Green Hornet is like the theme from the TV show The Green Hornet, and yet he <laughs> makes it work so well that he almost supersedes the original text that it came from. And that's his whole thing when he goes and does music in films. He wants to he wants to make the definitive use of that piece of music in a movie yeah. even if it's existed before all right i've gushed i've, <laughs> I've gushed as well <laughs> um, um, is that is that enough i think that's I think, all I accurate think, yeah <laughs> yeah all right well <clears throat> what will our well, opinion se- be on yeah. whether or not to give it a second take <laughs> i wonder uh mine is always if you have a chance to watch this movie, watch this movie and then talk to me about it because I won't be watching it nearly as often. <laughs> yeah. Uh, mine is a yes. I mean, every time. And I think I think that yes with the caveat, watch it. But like, if you're especially for filmmakers watching it, pay attention to the things that the little things because that's what makes it rather than just, oh, it's blood yes. and violence and giant action sequences and sword yeah. fights it's the little things that make it so idiosyncratic and awesome so yeah. and i would add give it your attention don't have don't have your phone on mm. don't have a conversation a in the background policy of just all movie watching <laughs> in my household <laughs> curtains drawn the incredible like, hulk <laughs> like the notebook that you're like if you listen to it you'll get it you don't need to watch it this is a movie that doesn't stop moving. You yeah. need to pay yeah. attention yeah. to yeah. it. Yeah. Um, otherwise, just, well, just to understand who yeah. the characters are. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> even even yeah. for that alone, it needs your entire attention. Yeah. All right. Well, in tradition of second take, I need to either do a spin-off or a sequel. 
which I'm not going to do, <laughs> or a prequel, which I'm also not going to do. I'm going to do a spin-off. Okay. And do and we pitch you, you something? Pi- no, you, you give me something I need to include in the spin-off. A musical number. Oh, oh, no, 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 okay. <laughs> All right. No, I can do that. Yep. Good. I think you need to you need to tell the story of how how everybody got assembled, or at least do at least do you know the origins of of, of Bart or someone. Oh yeah, absolutely. Because that is my favorite unexplored uh, thing in <laughs> in part two is is the sword that Bud has. Right. Um. To the uh, the uh, the only man I ever loved. Yeah. To my the- brother Bud, the only man I ever loved, Bill. Um. Okay, so we'll do the origin story of Bud. Bud, 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 Bud. He's a stuntman because Tarantino loves stuntmen. Yeah. <laughs> um, and he, he's working in Hollywood. Uh, and see, I, I actually don't know where Bill met anyone. No. At all. No. They just, he just assembled them and that was, <clears throat> and, and that was mm. it. Hmm. All right. And and Bud started working as well, he started working as a bouncer on the side. Bouncing worked into muscle work for the mob. Oh. Muscle work turned into Hitman. And then he started getting a, a reputation. And then he ran into Bill um as Bill wanted to hire someone. And that was sort of the oh. test. So this is the test. Um What if Bill was a target? Is, is Bud actually his brother? No. No? Okay. In my world, no, because their <laughs> ages are very different. Yeah. They, yeah. They, there would they be could like have been split at birth. 40 years apart. Yeah, they could have been different, different fathers. Different <laughs> <laughs> or different mothers. <laughs> Same father. Yeah, yeah, half, yeah. half brothers. Yeah. Half brothers. Um, okay, yeah, I know. All right. So they're <laughs> half brothers. Good. Fine. They're, they're half brothers, and that's why Bill's found him. Uh and he sets him after, I'm going to say, Oren. Ooh. Uh, because I believe the order was Oren, Beatrice, then uh, L. L. L Driver. L was the last one. Okay. Because. Oh, and you forgot. Spoilers. You forgot um, uh, Vivica I bl- uh, She was after Oren. Motherfucking black mama. I should have been motherfucking black mama. <laughs> <laughs> I love that moment. It's so. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Her, every scene. Good. The dialogue is Quentin's main part. And we haven't even touched on yeah. it. But. Yeah. So he sends him after that. And that's a test. He beats her down, I guess. And then is hired. And right at the end, we meet Beatrice. The end. Lovely. Uh-huh. I'm not going to go in too deep because I don't want to ruin it for myself. <laughs> no, I, was, I was about to ruin the mythology for myself. Um, no one should be allowed to touch these characters except Quentin. Uh, <laughs> and he won't ever, unfortunately. Do you reckon he might? Uh, no, I think it'd be a commercial move and I don't think he will. If he's only making he like one one more movie. Two more. Two more oh, movies. Well, uh, so including the, the what you might call it, the, the 70s set. Charles oh, yeah. Manson, one that he's in the middle of doing. I don't think there is a big enough call commercially for a continuation of the Kill Bill. Yeah. 
So um, I don't want it to happen. Like maybe if he wanted to do a comic book, I think that might be the the way to do That'd it. Be cool, like a manga. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But not um, a film. No, not a film. I, I, I don't want these this these two movies to be ruined. Thank you. <laughs> <clears throat> All right. Well, that that's been us. So, thank you, gentlemen, for joining me to talk about my favorite film. Thank, thank you for you. having us on. And uh, well, I'll I'll get you back to do Kill Bill Two because what's the point of talking about Kill Bill One unless you can talk about its counterpart, Kill Bill Two? And even though yeah. it's not as good, uh, it's very different. We'll get into that next. Week. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thank you for listening, everyone. So, if you want to get yeah. in contact with us, there are a number of ways to do it. You can go to our website, which is secondtakepodcast.com. Or you can email us because we have one of those things. We are secondtakepodcast at gmail.com. And always I've got Facebook, you know, Facebook slash second take. Is that right? Sure. Yeah, yeah sure. That yeah. one. Or second take podcast. You, you find it. Yeah. And Twitter at second take TNC. Or we we have an Instagram, funnily enough. Sometimes we post video. No, well, actually, we no videos. No videos of some pictures, yet. though, that are funny. There was, there was a quite a smart tweed jacket on there the other day. Oh yes, yeah. Uh, I got bored. Um, <laughs> really. Also, um, if you guys want to support the show, we also have a link to our Patreon. It's patreon.com forward slash Second Take. Um, this is a, a, a big variety of ways that you guys can give to us. It starts as little as $1 per month, which is 12 bucks a year. And it's it's pretty, pretty low and pretty simple. But we've also got sort of a group goal going at the moment there. So once we hit our first target, which is collectively uh, $50 a month, we're going to release uh, all of our reviews of the Monty Python film series. Ah, and then yes. the idea is ongoing from there for every little milestone we hit, we're going to do extra series for everyone. So sort of a... So please go on and sponsor us so that we can review the Monty Pythons because I can't watch them until then. It's true. We're not allowed to watch any movies unless we're reviewing them. (laughs) And yeah, if you want to have a listen to any of the other podcasts that any of us are on, um, go to thatsnotkindofproductions.com, which is the mothership for all of of our other podcasts. Yeah. Yeah. In one of them, I'm a wizard. It's pretty good. Yeah. And I get to torture that wizard. It's even better. (sighs) And maybe just one day... There'll be solo podcasts that we do. That you solo can find podcasts, there. yeah, where we just talk at ourselves. Yeah, yep. The good. best kind of Fun. podcast, no interruptions, right? Oh, you'd be surprised. <laughs> none of, none of this over talking of each other. <laughs> <laughs> I do like to think fans will literally pause just to be like, "That's that's not true. <laughs> that's not how that works." Just because it's you in the room by yourself, Sam, doesn't mean you're incorrect. Anyway, it's fine. <laughs> good, good. Yeah. Okay, thank you. Yeah, uh, thanks very much for listening. And go do all the things on social media. Hooray. Good God, aliens are attacking. What do we do, guys? No, we, we'll broke for peace. Maybe there's still a chance they'll listen. Fire every missile we have at that godforsaken mothership. And pray to God that it works. No, none of these ideas are going to work. I've got it. What we need to do is tell every citizen to leave their homes naked and just tell them to have sex with toasters in the street. The aliens will be so confused, they'll just sort off. If you'd like to see the alternate takes on political issues ranging from big to small, subscribe to a New World Order podcast at www.thatsnotkindofproductions.com forward slash a new world order.
Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. 